Good morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning. If you're watching us via live stream this morning on our website or our Facebook live page, we're so glad you're joining us this morning. And all of you that are here live, welcome. Uh, Great to see everyone. If you have a Bible this morning, please take it out and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 20. If you need a Bible, there's probably one in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you're up front, there might be one under a seat. I'd love for you to read through these scriptures in John chapter 20 with me in just a moment. As you're turning there, let let me remind you that this weekend is a weekend that we receive a benevolent offering, a free will offering for for individuals and families in our church and outside of our church that just need some financial help. As you exit today, there will be ushers standing at the doors uh, with baseball bats to make sure that you give something on your way out. No, whatever you can give would be fantastic. It really helps folks um, that that are in need. Let's pray this morning as we open God's uh, word. Lord, thank you for the, the Bible. Thank you for its truth. Your, your word is forever settled in the heavens. It's, it's, it's true eternally. And so, Lord, as we read it, as we, as we talk about it, as we hear it, I pray that it would, it would penetrate deeply into our hearts and minds, that, that Holy Spirit, you would help us understand it and, and help us to understand what you're saying to each of us as individuals this morning. Uh, Lord, how we might change, how we might live differently as a result of hearing the teaching of your word this morning. Um, so bless it, I pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everyone constantly in life deals with with trauma, with heartache, uh, with disappointment. It's just part of our existence, part of living in a broken world. Uh, People that we love die. Babies die. Um, Our our kids make poor decisions and and lead lifestyles that that break our hearts. Uh, We we lose our health. Um, Marriages struggle and fail. Um, there, there are just a lot of you know, financial challenges that we deal with. Um, you may come home one night and, and, and mom made spaghetti instead of tacos. I mean, there's disappointments, major disappointments in life, right? And, and we have to deal with those over and over. So how do we deal? Yeah, that was a little bit late, but thank you for that. <laughs> um, how, how do we deal with the heartache, the disappointment, the trauma that seems to regularly flow into our lives. In John's account, we're going to look at the resurrection of Christ and what happened immediately afterwards. But as we, as we look at that story, John focuses on Mary Magdalene in this story because Mary was, was traumatized. She was grieved. She was disappointed, heartbroken by the death of Jesus. And I want to look at how Mary dealt with that and, and how the resurrection made a difference in her processing all of that. So, John chapter 20, we're going to read the first 19 verses, if you'd, if you'd join me this morning. Early on Sunday morning, or the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, let me pause there. The other gospel writers mention other women. Some they mention by name, and, and I'll, I'll refer to some of those a little bit later. But John only mentions Mary Magdalene, and there's a, there's a purpose that John has for highlighting this woman in this story. She ran and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, John says, with all humility. He's speaking about himself. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple, John, started out for the tomb. They they were both running But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Again, the humility of John. 
I beat him there. He stooped, uh, this is John, stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, (laughs) do you sense a little competitiveness here in the apostle John? Uh, Yeah, I won. I'm going to tell you two or three times. Yeah, I beat him pretty much. He also went in and he saw the linen wrappings and he believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus would rise from the dead. Then Peter and John went home. Mary Magdalene was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put his body. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, Jesus asks the exact same question that the angels had asked, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought that he was the gardener, and she said, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned and cried out, Rabbi, Rabboni, which in Hebrew means teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me, don't hold on to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but, I, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among the disciples behind the locked doors. Peace be with you, he said. Both the angels and Jesus ask Mary the exact same question. Here's what they say. Woman, why are you crying? Does that question sound insensitive to anyone but me? That's like at a funeral asking someone who just lost their spouse, asking someone who just lost a child, asking someone that just lost their best friend, dude, like, why are you crying? It seems incredibly insensitive to me. The answer to that question is obvious, because I'm hurting, because I'm broken, because I'm confused, because I feel betrayed by Jesus. Because I'm mad at God, because I don't know where to go from here. The the answers go on and on. But it's not an insensitive question. Because the question that was asked by the angels and by Jesus himself is a question that was asked already having a divine perspective on the situation. It's as though they're saying to Mary, we know something that you don't know. We have information that you don't have. We are are seeing this situation differently than you are. And if you saw it the same way we see it, you might not be crying. And so they they seek to, to get Mary 
to see things not through the lens of her disappointment, not through the lens of her hurt, not through the lens of her own sense of trauma, but to see her disappointment through the lens of the resurrection, through the lens of a divine perspective. I want to share three things with you this morning. Three things that Mary Magdalene experienced as a result of the resurrection. And the first is this. Mary experienced the restoration of hope. Mary experienced the, resurre- uh, the restoration of hope. See, Mary had lost hope when Jesus died. Mary had walked with Jesus and loved Jesus and, and Jesus had ministered to her. And, and his death brought confusion in her life. Mary wondered what was going to happen next. Mary wondered if her life now could be different. Mary wondered if she could ever find fulfillment and meaning in life with Jesus being dead. And that's an, that's an important fact in this story because many of you are there today as well. H- how do I find meaning in life? H- how do I find fulfillment in life? And you're wondering, can my life change? Can my life be different? Can can I get through this? Can I go on? Can I find a new horizon in my life? That's where Mary was. Let's look at the text. Mary Magdalene was standing outside of the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where Jesus, his body, had been lying. So she is hopeless, disappointed, and she stoops down and looks into the tomb. Why would you look for hope in a grave? Why would you look for life in a tomb? In Luke's account of the resurrection, he says that the angels asked the women at the tomb this question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you you trying to find life in the place of death? Why are you looking for hope in the grave? That's a great question. Because we do the exact same thing that Mary did. We look for hope in places that we're never going to find it. Some some of you single folks, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, if I could just find the right person... If I, could just, if I could just get married, I'd be fulfilled. Wrong. God never intended that the, that the person you marry becomes your source of fulfillment in life. Only Christ can be that person. So many people are disappointed in life thinking, oh, wow, wow I, thought that would, I thought that would fulfill me. And it doesn't. If, if, if I just get a new job, if I just get a better paying job, if I, if I just had more money, then I'd really be, be fulfilled. No, you won't. Because you'll always be looking for a better job. And you'll always be looking for more money because it never satisfies. As a basketball coach, my, my first season we won four games. And my second season we won five games. And I remember saying, if we, if we could ever win more than five games, I'd really be fulfilled. Wrong. Because when you win six games, you want to win 10. And when you win 10 games, you want to win 15. And when, when you win 15 games, you want to win 20. It never ends. So like Mary, we stoop down and we look into the tomb thinking somehow we're going to find meaning and significance there. When the reality is it's only in Christ that we find new life. It's only in Christ that we find true true fulfillment. So going back to John chapter 11. 
Jesus raised a guy named Lazarus from the dead. And, and before he raises him from the dead, he has this encounter with Lazarus' sister Martha. Here's how it goes. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now look at, look at Martha's response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll rise again when everyone else rises again on the last day. Blah, 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 blah. Tell me something I don't know, Captain Obvious. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Right now, I'm the source of resurrection. Right now, I'm the source of new life. Not just in the resurrection, not just on the last day. You're standing, looking at the source of resurrection, present tense, continuous, right now, the ability to change your life, to give you a new life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after he dies. Jesus Christ is the only source of new life. And I don't know if you've experienced a relationship with Christ, but if you're like Mary wondering, could my life ever be new? Could, could I ever be fulfilled in life? Man, I want to introduce you to the resurrection and the life Jesus Christ because he can change you in a moment. He can give you hope like he gave Mary hope. But, but friends, ultimately our our desire for, for hope is, is not grounded in this life. It's grounded in eternity. Our hope, our hope, no matter how good your life is or no matter how bad your life ever gets, it will never reach the level of excellence and fulfillment that heaven does. This world, this, this life is not your home. This is not your destination. You were destined for something greater. You were destined for a place to live forever where there's no sin, there's no betrayal, there's no brokenness, there's no death, there's no disease, there's no heartache, there's no disappointment, there's no divorce, no babies die in that place. So no matter how bad life gets or how good life gets, it's not what God has in store for you. Our hope is in eternity. And if you look for hope only in this life, friends, you're going to be disappointed over and over because it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to completely fulfill you. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. That's why we never give up. As hard as life gets, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. And some of you don't even know what that verse means. I do. I get up some mornings knowing what it means to feel like your body's dying. You'll get there. It's a great day to look forward to. Our bodies are decaying, but our inner man is being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, somebody. They seem long, but in, in comparison to eternity, they're short. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. Something's better is coming and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. As hard as life is, you need hope. Hope that even if God doesn't change your life the way you want it to be changed, you have something greater just around the corner, amen? Eternity. 
Suddenly, Mary got a, resur- a, a revelation of the resurrection, and God restored hope in her life, hope for this life. Yes, hope that things can be different in this life. God wants our lives different, but a greater hope for a perfect eternity. And I pray if you've never met Jesus Christ, because if you haven't met Christ, you, can't, you don't have access to that eternity and that life. But if you know Christ, that's your destiny. Mary received restoration of hope, but she also received restoration of honor. Restoration of honor. John John singles Mary Magdalene out in this story. He singles her out among among everyone else. He makes her the, the primary actor in this play. Why does he do that? In in the midst of disappointment, in the in the midst of trauma and pain. Why does he single Mary out? I think it's because he wants to, to show Mary honor. He wants to give her honor where she was. Let's look at the text. She thought Jesus was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and I'll get him. Mary, Jesus said. Don't let that pass by. He speaks her name, Mary. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, Rabbi, which means teacher. The text doesn't tell us what was happening here in terms of Mary's inability to recognize Jesus. Maybe her eyes in some way were were veiled so she couldn't actually see who he was. We don't know. Maybe Jesus was actually in some way disguised so that she couldn't recognize him. We we don't know. Here's what we do know. Mary discerned who he was. Mary discovered who he was when he said her name. There there was something about his voice. There, There was something about the voice that Mary identified and Mary recognized. She had walked with that that voice for years. She identified that voice. That was the voice of the Savior. That was the voice that in the midst of disappointment and trauma and hurt and brokenness and pain, she was able to discern above every other voice in her life. Suddenly she knew it was her Savior. Friends, we have to to recognize the voice of Jesus in our life. Do you know his voice? Do you know the voice of the one that saved you? Do you know the voice of of the Christ? Because friends, let me tell you, it's a game changer in your grief and your brokenness and your disappointment and your trauma in life if you can hear the voice of the Savior calling your name, amen? Do you know his voice? Something transpired in that moment. Go back to that scripture text. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbi, which which in Hebrew means teacher. So of of, of all of the people in this story, now now John wants us to know that that Jesus revealed himself first to Mary Magdalene. The the first person, no no other gospel um, argues against that. But but I, I look at that text and I go, there's great honor. Wouldn't you say there's great honor in being the very first person that Jesus revealed himself to after the resurrection? That's why I think Jesus was trying to to bestow honor on Mary. She's the very first one that he reveals himself to. 
But I look at that and I go, there were a lot of other, humanly speaking, better candidates to give honor to. What about Peter? Peter, Peter and Paul were like the, the two, the one-two punch in the church, the start of the church. Peter wrote a couple of books of the Bible. Peter, Peter was, was, was the leader of the church, and he was crucified upside down. He was a martyr. I, I mean, Peter, from a human perspective, is way more worthy than Mary. What about John? John was, one, John was the disciple that Jesus loved. John was the fastest guy of all the disciples. He beat everyone to the tomb, humanly speaking. He's athletic. He wrote five books of the Bible. Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. If you write the book of Revelation, you're a big deal, right? Shouldn't, shouldn't John get the honor of, of having Jesus reveal himself to him for the, for the very first time? First person? From a human perspective, wouldn't we give it to one of those two guys? Don't we give honor to people like that in life? What about, what about Mary, the, the mother of Jesus? She gave birth to the Messiah. She went through all the pain of, of delivery and, and labor. Surely she deserves the honor. Well, what about Joanna? She was at the tomb, the, the wife of Cusa. They were rich, people of means. She supported Jesus' ministry. Like, like humanly speaking, don't, don't we give honor to leaders, to people that die for their cause? Who do we give honor to? Rich people? Who did Jesus give honor to? Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. What do we know about Mary? A few things. Mary came from Magdala. What was Magdala known for? Prostitution. A lot of people think Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. We, we don't know that. Here's what we do know. Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. She had, she had multiple demons ruling her life. What sort of dark, perverse, sinful lifestyle would lead to the opening of a door in a person's life to be consumed and controlled by Satan? What kind of past did she have? And yet she's the one that Jesus gives honor to. Not the one I would have picked to show honor to. I often think about Mary Magdalene and the fact that here she is at the tomb, just, just wanting to do one more thing for Jesus. He's dead. Just, just let me put, let me make his body smell better. I often wonder if Mary's efforts to serve Jesus were sometimes just driven by shame, the shame of her past. You know, people that deal with shame always want to do things to make God like them more or to overcome their shame. You know, the Apostle Paul said this once. I don't, I don't know if you remember this or not. Paul said, and, and I worked harder than all of the other apostles. <laughs> and then he says, not I, but the grace of God, as, as though that's going to help things. I worked harder than everybody. And sometimes I wonder, why, why would Paul make a statement like that? Was it driven by shame? Because, you know, before Paul found Christ, he imprisoned and tortured and murdered Christians. And Paul regularly refers back to that past life before Christ with, with great remorse. I'm the greatest sinner of them all. 
I wonder if Paul was driven by some shame when he wanted to work harder than all the other apostles. I wonder if Mary Magdalene was, was trying to just do one more thing for Jesus because she was driven with shame. You know, many of us, even in Christ, we, 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 we tow a trailer of shame in our lives and it follows us everywhere that we go because we have a past. Mary had a past, a past that she was ashamed of that Jesus had delivered her from. You know, I, I recommitted my life to Christ in college. And, and the years from my sophomore year of high school through that point in college when I recommitted my life were, were sinful years. Year, years that I deeply regret. Years that, that I attach shame to. And, and for a number of years after recommitting my life to Christ, I, I never wanted to go back and, and interact with my old high school friends because I felt shame. Even though they knew I was a Christian, even though I knew that God had forgiven me, there was this residue of shame in my life that I didn't, I, I didn't want to be around them because it reminded me of that time in my life. I wonder if any of you are pulling the trailer of shame in your life. Well, here's what the cross did. The cross removed your shame. On the cross, Jesus Christ was crucified naked completely humbled, bearing shame, your shame and my shame. On the cross, he bore our shame. And through the resurrection, he restores honor to our lives. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Jesus was perfect. But he caused Jesus to bear your sin and my sin and my shame. On the cross, our shame was given to Christ. On our cross, our past, on the cross, our past was given to him. And not only were we forgiven of that sin and released from that sin and that shame, but he goes on and says, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Honor. The, the righteousness, the, the righteous, perfect credentials of Jesus are now given to you. God sees you through the light of his son, Jesus Christ, not through the light of your past, amen? That's not your identity anymore. Scripture says if you are in Christ, your identity has completely changed. In fact, the New Testament goes so far as to say that you are no longer to be called a sinner. You are to be called a saint. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You used to be a sinner, and you are saved by grace, but you're not a sinner now if you're in Christ. You're a saint. You're a holy one. Your identity has changed. God wants to bestow honor on your life. He doesn't want you to keep walking in the shame of your past. You're not a disgrace. You're a blessing to him. And you're not damaged goods. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Amen? And Yeah, amen, to the Lord. And you're... You're not dirty. You're not unclean. You're sanctified. You're washed. You're purified by the spotless blood of Christ. And he not only wants you to be free from shame, but like Mary Magdalene, he knew she was the one that needed honor the most because she had a past. And if you have a past like I do, you just need to know the Lord's honor in your life. Amen? And the last thing that happened at the resurrection was Mary had a, the restoration of purpose. The restoration of purpose. Mary's sense of purpose had changed. 
I'm sure before Jesus died, she had a clear sense of her purpose as a disciple of Jesus. But when Jesus died, everything changed. Her purpose changed. Her purpose in life was now reduced to making a dead body smell good. That was her purpose now. Putting spices on a dead body, hoping that that she can make something dead smell good. And it's as though Jesus is saying, Mary, I, I never called you to make dead things smell good. I called you to tell people that I'm alive. Here's the text. Jesus said, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them. He's speaking to Mary. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. And she gave him the message of the Lord. Mary Magdalene, the very first preacher of the gospel. If that's not honor, I don't know what is. He entrusted her with the most important message mankind can hear. She was trustworthy. She was worthy of the highest calling Christ could give because he'd given her honor. And he's saying, Mary, your your purpose is not to, to try to make dead things in life seem alive. And we do that. We assume that our purpose is just trying to make dead stuff smell good. No, your purpose is to tell people that Christ is alive, that Christ can give hope, that Christ can restore honor to somebody's life. Now, friends, as I'm sharing here this morning, you may not struggle with hope. You you may have great hope for this life and for the life to come. And you may not struggle with shame. You you may not struggle with your past. You you may be going, I don't even know what Jeff's talking about. Wonderful for you. That's where every believer should be. But even though you don't struggle with that, people in your world do. People in your relational world are struggling with hope right now. Now, do you remember where the other 11 male disciples were at this time? Locked away in a room somewhere, afraid of the Jewish authorities, hiding, anxious, worried. And you know, the people in your relational world, they're they're no different than those 11 disciples. They're worried. They're afraid of their, for their health and their family's health. They're, they're, they're fearful of COVID. They're fearful of cancer. They're fearful of death. They're worried for their children. How am I going to raise our children in this chaotic world? They're worried about our government and where it's headed. They're worried about the economy. Where is this thing going? They're worried. They're fearful. And they're locked away somewhere trying to just be safe from the world. And Jesus called you. And he gave you a purpose, just like he did Mary. Your your calling and purpose is to go and knock on the door. To knock on the door of those that have no hope. Those inside the room that are in fear. And you're to knock on the door and you're to tell them by what you say and by how you live, Jesus Christ can give you hope. Jesus Christ can give you life. The resurrection can give you a new purpose in life. You're to go and just say, Jesus is alive. Come on. Mary had restored purpose to her life. It's no longer about messing around with dead things, dead purposes. It's about embracing the purpose of God. By what you say and by what you do, declaring that Jesus is alive. Do you live as though Jesus is alive? Do you live live as though Jesus is alive in your life? Does someone look at your life and go, whoa, they're different. There's life in them. They're not afraid like everybody else is afraid. They have hope. 
They, they walk with a sense of honor in their relationship with God. And they have purpose and meaning. Do, do you live like that? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you pray with me? Lord, we're grateful this morning for the hope of the resurrection. The, the hope for a different life now and the hope for a perfect life in the future. We thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of a place and a kingdom where there's no sickness and disease, there's no death, there's no pain, there's no trauma, there's no divorce, babies don't die, there's no poverty, there's no heartache. We are grateful for an eternal inheritance stored up for us that can't be changed. Thank you for the grace of the cross that invites us to that eternal life. And Lord, we thank you for the cross today that, that at the cross you bore our shame, that, that we can disconnect our lives from the trailer of shame that we pull behind us. That just like Mary, Lord, you, you bestow honor on our lives through Christ. You, you give us your own righteousness, holiness, and purity. Lord, this morning I pray for all those with me here live and maybe listening online that, that, that have been living for a dead purpose. That, that they would understand that, that you've restored a new purpose to us. To knock on the doors of those afraid, those secluded, and those shut into their own world. To offer them a message of life a message of resurrection and a message of hope. God, this week, would you help us to get into the world, to knock on the doors of the lives of our friends and family and with the, the unction and authority and power of the Holy Spirit to say Jesus Christ is alive. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So go in the hope, go in the honor, and go in the purpose of God today. This week, as you leave, um, there, there will be nobody with baseball bats, but if you want to drop some money in the offering, that would be greatly appreciated. Have a, have a wonderful day. God bless you.